Welcome to the Biz Dad Podcast, where we dive into the melding of fathership and entrepreneurship with your host, the original Biz Dad himself, Adam Labar. Adam is a Christian, a former Air Force officer, a dad to three amazing kids, a coach, a real estate investor, and a business owner. On this podcast, he'll explore the unique journeys of amazing dads who are striving for greatness in both business and family. So whether you're a dad who is an aspiring entrepreneur, a seasoned business owner, or simply a man striving to be a better dad, get ready as the Biz Dad brings you conversations to inspire, challenge, and equip you to be a better dad and entrepreneur. And now, here's Adam. What is going on, everybody? Welcome to the Biz Dad Podcast. Today, I have a, uh, a fellow military friend of mine, as well as uh, a business owner, um, you know, uh, real estate, uh, real estate guy, just all around awesome dude in GoBundance as well. Which I think a majority of you who have listened to more than one episode have realized that that's a lot of the people I talk to because you know it's a bunch of dads who are entrepreneurs, so that's great. Uh, but Doug Spence is with us today. I want to uh, let him introduce himself. Doug, please just. Kind Kind of say hello, uh, introduce your family, uh, who you are, a little bit of background on you and your business, and um, yeah, we'll uh, we'll go from there. Hey, Adam. Good morning. Thanks for having me on the podcast. Uh, yeah, my name is Doug Spence. I'm originally from Houston, Texas. Did my undergrad at Baylor University, and then uh, joined the Navy back in 2009. Uh, was a uh, aviation guy, so went to flight school for a couple of years in Pensacola, and then. Uh, selected Super Hornets and went out to Lamore, California for a year, then moved out to Japan for three years, did three carrier deployments, uh, then uh, moved to Pensacola, Florida to be a flight instructor, did that for three years, uh, which is also where I met my wife, Kate. Uh, she is a Navy JAG. We're both uh, active duty Navy. Um, and then moved to San Diego in December of 2018. Uh, was at SEAL Team 3 for two years, uh, running their JTAC program, so Joint Terminal Attack Controller. For those of you that aren't in the military, it's basically how you uh, bring bring effects from aircraft onto the ground or artillery onto the ground um, or, or the surface. It could be on the, on the ocean as well. Uh, and then now I'm back at a, an aviation command now, a non-flying aviation command uh, doing a, a department head tour now here in San Diego. We've been in San Diego for four and a half years now. Um, and then I got into real estate back in 2016 when I was in Pensacola. So that's where I bought my first property, really where I got addicted to real estate. And I've yes. been uh, surrounding myself with people that feed that addiction ever since. So it's only gotten worse, right? Uh, and just been doing real estate on the side while I'm uh, active duty. So it's been... Uh, of all the addictions I have though, real estate's not a bad one. It's a, uh, it's a lucrative addiction if you do it right. Mm -hmm. So, uh, the opposite of a lot of other addictions. <laughs> yes, exactly. But, uh, but yeah, that's kind of a bird's eye view. Uh, but okay. yeah, just being, uh, oh yeah. And then we have a, our son, Calvin, uh, he was born on Cinco de Mayo, uh, 2022 last year. So he's a uh, little over a year now nice. and he's, he's awesome. And so now just, you know, uh, juggling, uh, being a dad, being a husband, you know, Navy guy, real estate investor, all that stuff. So, but it's been, it's been great. It's been uh, quite a journey. That's awesome. I am definitely understanding of that as uh, uh, I started my real estate stuff. I mean, I even like my first apartment I bought, I was living in Japan. Um, at the time, my wife and I both Air Force and uh, living in Japan and bought an apartment and it was, 
the, the what a whirlwind, a pain in the butt, you know, with with a kid running around the house. So right, were yeah. you at Yakota? I was. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I was at Atsugi, so we were. No, oh, nice. Right yeah, right down the road. Yeah. yeah, I I loved being out there. I mean, I could not like that was probably one of my favorite places I've ever lived. Like, I just yeah. we traveled all over Japan, had a great time. Yeah, uh, yeah, it was awesome. I, I I loved it. I had an apartment in Tokyo the whole three years. So yeah, even that better. Was nice. Yes. It was a lot of fun. Yeah, I was stuck in base housing, living uh, living the dream in a nice like eleven hundred yeah. square foot townhouse. Like, <laughs> but Yokota, you're only like an hour away from Tokyo. Yeah. So I mean, you get yeah. to and you're close to Fuji and all that. So a lot of cool stuff to do there. Yeah, we climbed Fuji. I actually climbed Mount Fuji with uh, Adam on my back when he was like. I think it was two and a half when we climbed Fuji. So I had like one of the little hiking carriers and I had him in the back and, um, you know, hiking our way up there. And everybody was like, especially all the Japanese folks were like, what is that? There's a kid in your back. Like they would like <laughs> grab his foot and say hello. And like we pulled him out at one point because he wanted to walk for a little bit. I pulled him out. And he tried to try to walk up and sort of follow backwards. I was like, okay, yeah. well, you're going to hop back in. Like I don't think you roll it down Mount Fuji. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, it was, uh, I absolutely loved that assignment. But yeah, me too. Um, so you were single then, right? Cause you, uh, moved from there to Pensacola, which where you met your wife, right? Right. Exactly. Okay. And how long have you been married? Um, been married for a little over three years now. Okay. Awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, well, uh, uh, I, as you know, love real estate, so I could talk about that all day long. So I'd love to kind of dig into that a little bit, but before, before we jump into that, um, uh, tell me a little bit about your dad, your upbringing, kind of how that uh, how that kind of brought you to where you are now. The good, the bad, the ugly, whatever you uh, whatever you want to share with the the beginning parts of all this, how it started. Yeah. So um, overall, you know, good upbringing. Um, my parents divorced when I was eleven, uh, and so there was you know the whole going from house to house thing. But I think my parents handled it pretty well. Um, you know, we. Um, it was, you know, n- not too, you know, traumatic. You know, it's not like some of those divorces you hear about where they're just like screaming at each other, and, and you know, there's a lot of, you know, the cops are getting called. Like it wasn't anything like that. So, mm-hmm. um, so that was good uh, overall. And um, my dad was very frugal. Uh, so that was one. I think one very valuable thing that I learned from my dad in particular was frugality. Um, he was very or is he's kind of frugal, but like to an extreme. So I've had to kind of correct back. Um, you know, my wife has, has helped me with that. She's frugal too, but she's also, you know, appreciates like living life, you know? So Mm -hmm, she's, mm -hmm. she's really helped me with that and not just like, you don't have to save, you know, 70% of everything you earn, you know, now that kind of mindset, you know, having, cause I've, I've been able to have a roughly 50% savings rate the entire time I've been in the military. Um, you know, so like over 14 years, so, um, that has been very beneficial for me, like financially, just having that habit of frugality. So that's one thing I learned from my dad that was, that was uh, really beneficial. Um, but you know, not, not a big, not a big feelings guy. So that's been a, mm-hmm. something I've had to learn. Like it's kind of a downside. It's like, you know, it's okay to express emotion and all that kind of stuff. And my personality is very, um, I don't know how much of this is nature versus nurture, probably a lot of nature, but I'm very logical, um, you know, on some of those personality tests, I'm like 10 on logical one on mm-hmm. emotions, you know, and I don't know how much, yeah. how much of that is like military as well, where it's just like, yeah. there is zero value in the military and like 
well, tell me how that, you know, that flight we did, how did you feel when we were, you know, that doesn't matter, right? It's just like, how did it go? We need to, you know, here are the things that you messed up. Here's how we need to get better, you know, for the sake of the squadron, for the sake of the mission, et cetera. So it's like, I don't know how much of that is just me and how much of that is just beat into me from being military. Same with like communication, you know, like communication style, very direct, Mm -hmm. uh, matter of fact, not, you know, it doesn't matter what your feelings are about something. It matters what happened and how we can get better, et cetera. So, um, yeah, definitely some pros and cons, like, like everyone, you know, learning from, from their parents and from their dad, but, um, you know, overall, you know, I'm not a, I'm not a drug addict. I'm not a alcoholic. I'm not, you know, so I think, uh, overall, I think they did a pretty good job. Awesome. Yeah. You're just a real estate addict. So that's a point. Yeah. Just a real estate addict. Now I did not learn any real estate stuff from them. So that was one thing that, you know, they taught me frugality and they were good at, they impressed upon me, you know, don't, don't have credit card debt. Don't, you know, like make sure you're living beneath your means, you know, basically Mm -hmm. the foundations of like getting to zero and staying above zero, but not how to build wealth. You know, it was more like, okay, put some, you know, put some money in like money market or index funds. Like if you have some Mm -hmm. left over, but that was pretty much the extent of that. So the, the, the real estate stuff I learned from, like everyone else, you know, I read Rich Dad Poor Dad, I think like in high school or something like, like a long time ago um, and, or, or college or something like pretty soon after it came out and, and then was introduced to bigger pockets probably back in like 2015, 2016. And then that's bigger pockets. That's how I started learning about it. And then I was like, damn, there's, mm-hmm. you know, you don't have to be a gajillionaire to like own real estate. You know, I didn't, I didn't know that. So learning a, about real estate through bigger pockets and then, buying my first house and then seeing like, Oh wow. Like, you know, running the taxes, doing the taxes myself on the first property. I was like, wow, this is, this is really good. Like I, I understand mm-hmm. that, you know, what they're saying about this now. So then then just kind of got the bug from there. So didn't really learn building wealth from my parents, but they helped me get to zero and, and you know, and then start to save. So that by, by the time I learned about real estate, I had some money saved up and I had good credit and all that stuff. So it really set a good foundation for me. That's awesome. Yeah, I I, uh, I did not have that necessarily. As I told you before, we turned on the recording. I was very paycheck to paycheck. That's just all I had ever seen. I didn't know there was any different. So, um, so at least you got uh, a a good structure on that on that part. So, what did your dad do for a living um, as you were growing up? So he is an accountant. So okay. accountant slash controller for different companies. So he's a he's a numbers accounting finance, not so much finance, but numbers accounting kind of guy, which is like the opposite of me. I'm not the, Mm. I can do the basic arithmetic, but like, I'm not a, I'm not the underwriter. So, yeah. Yeah. But that also could be, you know, um, where you get some of your logical thinking from and yeah, absolutely. Yeah. We were doing at the, one of the Florida meetups, we were having to get together and, and doing one of those personality things. And I was pegged all the way to the right on the logical side. Like it was a 10 out of 10. And I was like, what the heck? And the guy was like, so do you know who Spock is? And I was like, oh, great. Thank you for comparing me to Spock. I appreciate that. <laughs> but uh, it, it's, you know, it's kind of a pain in the butt. But at the same point, it, I don't, I don't know. I learned, I learned that I need to think more about other people's feelings because yes. I, I don't really have any. The only people that can affect my feelings are my wife and my kids. Other yeah. than that, it's very rare that yeah. a feeling comes out. So it's, t- it's tough for me to 
think and talk like other people have feelings. I right. Don't. Feelings are, <laughs> you know, they, they get in the way. They, uh, yes. they cloud, they cloud the decision making is how exactly. I, so. they cloud my judgment. I can't be having that. Right. Anytime I've ever brought feelings into a decision, it's always, almost always turned out bad. Right. Almost Especially always. money like, and finance. Well, yes. Stuff like that. Like emotions yeah. make people make bad decisions. You know, Very poor decisions. Generally. Yeah. 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 You're not wrong. Yeah. So I'm training my sons to not have any emotion to be <laughs> down. deep down zero emotions, <laughs> never bring them out. <laughs> yeah. Dude, I did. Um, I did the uh, Myers Briggs. Uh, we've done those a few times, like as a family and we kind of talk about them and, you know, uh, and I'm like, e, I think I'm Ian, ENTJ, which, uh, it's like, it's like, uh, you know, well-known people that also have this one, Saddam Hussein, Donald Trump. And I'm just like, all right. Fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> so Appreciate you putting me on that Vader. spectrum. Yeah. Yeah. Darth, Darth Vader, Vader was one of them. Yes. So I'm yeah, like, of course. perfect. So uh, lovely. Yes. Yeah. Man. It was that extrovert, uh, you're judgmental. You're <laughs> yeah. <laughs> a judgmental extrovert. Fantastic. Yeah. Lovely. Yeah. It, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So yeah. I'm Crazy sure Calvin, your son will love that. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So uh, when you uh, you bought your first house, I think you said in, in Pensacola, was that right? Right. All right. So um, since then, kind of like, what was your journey getting onto onto real estate? Like, what what was it about buying that first house that made you go, "Boy, I should really keep doing this"? And then what what did you continue doing after that? So it really, you know, buying the first house was, you know, I was renting in Pensacola uh, because I had moved from from Japan, um, and I was renting <clears throat> initially, and then as I was living. <clears throat> Excuse me. As I was living in the neighborhood, I started learning more about real estate and I started looking at the neighborhoods and or the neighborhood I was in and I realized I was like, man, I could buy there was a house that was for sale that was um newer, larger, and more updated than the house I was renting for fifteen hundred a month. And I looked at the price and I was like, Man, the mortgage would be eleven hundred a month. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's newer, it's bigger, same neighborhood. And so that was pretty much the extent of my real estate analysis for that first property. But it was, <laughs> it was sound. You know, I was, I was yeah. right. I was like, man, that's $400 cheaper a month. And I'm buying it. I would be getting any appreciation and I could rent it out. You know, I, I bought it with the plan of renting it out when I moved from Pensacola. So I bought it in 2016, about a year after I moved to Pensacola and just conventional. I didn't use my VA loan. I was, I was smart enough to know that. Uh, you know, the purchase price was 198,000. And I was like, I could just, I could put 20% down with money that I have saved up and save my VA loan for a more expensive house down the road. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I'm glad I thought about that. And I didn't use my VA entitlement then. So I, I still have never used my VA entitlement. Um, and so I bought that house with the intent of renting it out fast forward, you know, moving away from Pensacola, put some tenants uh, in the house and I've been renting it out ever since. Nice. Um, so that house has been, has been good. And I was able to rent you it know, out. You can use your VA loan more than once. Yes. Yeah. And okay. I, but I just thought like, I, you know, f- from that point on, I, um, we, you know, we moved to San Diego and I, you know, I was like, I, I'm not ready to buy here yet. We, we did end up buying uh, the house that we live in now. It's a VA, uh, it's a house hack with our, v, uh, with the VA loan, but we use my wife's VA entitlement nice. for this house. So we still have mine, but yeah. Um, the, with the ideas, we'll probably use my entitlement for like our forever home, wherever mm-hmm. that may be, whenever we're out of the, the, the military. So, um, but, uh, it, using a conventional on that house was, was a good decision, yeah. um, at the time for sure. Yeah. And, and then just listening to more podcasts and I, um, I, I heard, um, 
someone who is like really, you know, mentor to me, Stu Grazier, um, mm-hmm. on a, a bigger pockets money. I think it was back in 2018. And he was talking about turnkey properties and, you know, a, a business he started and all that with his, uh, Naval Academy roommate. So I reached out to him on bigger pockets on the bigger pockets forums. Um, and they had just started, um, this turnkey company doing turnkey in uh, Milwaukee. And he was like, Hey, we have a property available. And so I, I bought that one. Uh, and then four months later, he was like, Hey, we've got another one. And so I bought that one. And then I actually referred so many people to them that the, the waiting list between the second and third property I bought from them was like a year and a half. And <laughs> so I ended up buying three turnkey properties in Milwaukee that I still own today. And that was really my first, the first time I bought a, a property as like a dedicated real estate mm-hmm. investment, not one that was a primary residence first. Um, and then really, I was like, okay, this makes sense. You know, they're cash flowing because b- buying them back in 2018 and then 2019 and I think 2021 or 2020, um, those three, um, you know, you could still, it was like a hundred, hundred K purchase price, 20% down and they rented for like 1200 a month. So they like exceeded the 1% rule, you know, which is like you can't find right now. And, and they've rent rents on them and I've got fixed, you know, five and a quarter interest rates on them. Um, and so they're, you know, are fixed for 30, you know, uh, conventional mortgages on them. So, uh, planning on holding those, you know, I don't have any plans to sell them now. So, and then I realized, uh, once I got into a mastermind group, you know, my original plan was like, well, I'll just buy one turnkey property a year for mm-hmm. 10 years and then I'll have 10 properties. Right. Great. Yeah. And then I got into a mastermind group and people are doing like, active duty they're doing like apartment complexes they're doing these burrs like out of state and i'm like holy shit like i can you know the the, my perception of what was possible really increased you know and so that's what drove me to decide that i wanted to do a burr because i could get a better return on my capital versus doing the turnkey and i realized i liked real estate enough to like okay i think i would enjoy putting a team together doing all that kind of Mm -hmm. stuff so that's how i got into um doing out of state burrs and flips um, in Oklahoma. So that, that's kind of like the next step. I started doing that in 2020. So. Okay. That's awesome. Yeah. The, uh, I, I, like when I was first starting the real estate thing, so my wife, um, uh, she said that I should look at real estate when we first got married and I kind of just laughed at her like, yeah, real estate, whatever. Like, cause I had no knowledge of any of this stuff. I was just thinking, okay, stock market, I'm going to go put money in the stock market. So then I lost money in the stock market. <laughs> and then I went back to my wife and said, Hey, what was it? Cause like this, this is where the, remember the emotion I talked about, like I was watching the money and like a hawk. So every day I'd be looking at it like 15 times, like what's my stock doing? What's my stock doing? That's stressful. And then the emotion would get involved and then I would make emotional decisions and I'd yank money out when I, when I lost it. And I'm like, okay, well, way to just solidify your losses there, buddy. You know, yeah. like keep it in. If you like, if you have trust in the, in the company, there's a reason why you bought that stock, stick with it, you know, but I couldn't do that. So, uh, so that's when I started looking at real estate more. I was like, well, what did you say about real estate? So that I just started yeah. researching and researching and doing the math and I'd go through the bigger pocket stuff and listen to all the podcasts I could and learning as much as I could. But as far as I knew, nobody in the world wanted to do this besides me and my wife. Like it, I like, other than those people I hear on podcasts, which are, you know, way out of, out of my league, you know? And, uh, right. and then before you know it, I'm buying a 62 unit apartment from Japan. I was like, Whoa, boy, this is a, like when I told my wife we were buying apartments, she was like, we, we're what? <laughs> I, I was like, maybe a house, uh, you know, yeah. but no, like, no I one's straight for apartments. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I am. That's what I'm doing. 
that's what I'm doing, honey. It's your fault. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, it uh, it blew my mind. Like the more I learned about it, you know, like you said, you joined a mastermind, and that's what I did. I finally joined a mastermind, and within six months, I'd bought an apartment with a, with some folks that I met on there. And it was like, wow, this is this is nuts. Like I didn't know this was even. I didn't know there are other people like me like wanting to do this. So yeah, the power of surrounding yourself with, you know, not you know like people say like minded people, but not just like minded, but people that are already doing what you want to do or people that yes. are you know, people that can stretch your idea of what's possible. I think is mm-hmm. a, a big value of, of a mastermind group. Yeah, for sure. Um, and I think that that changes your like-mindedness as well. Like, cause it changes your mind on things, which then you now become like, like-minded with them. You know, like we tell people all the time, you are the five people you hang around with most. I think it's right. a Sam. Was it Sam Zell? I don't remember who, who said that now off the top of my brain, but, um, uh, if you hang around a bunch of drug dealers and gangbangers, you're probably going to be a drug dealer and gangbanger. But if you hang right. around a bunch of, you know, uh, multimillionaires that are investing and thinking about the future in a different way, then guess what you're going to start doing? It's pretty awesome, you know? But yeah, uh, I, I loved it. Like, because all I'd ever been around was military folks. I mean, my parents were both Air Force, and then I followed them around as a, as a child. Uh, and while well, my mom was out before I was born, but followed my dad around as a child. And like, that's all I saw was military. And I joined the military right out of high school. And I continued on that same trend, you know, like I came back from deployment from Iraq and bought a motorcycle. You know, like, that's just, that's what you do with money. Exactly. And I was like, (laughs) this is nuts, man. Like I could like looking back on it, it's, it's hard to believe that that's what I was doing. But, um, but at the same point, that's all I ever saw. Like, I mean, everybody and their brother like did the same thing that I was, that I was around. So, right. Um, I don't know, but it's powerful, but, uh, yeah, it, it'll, it'll suck you in if you're not, you know, if you don't change the wireframe of your brain and, and go yeah. somewhere else. So, and then you talk about what you're doing in like your normal work environment and people are like, huh? You know? Yeah. Like yeah. that's, you can do that. That's possible. You know? So that, that's another interesting having those conversations at work where you're like, they're like, you own seven houses or, or whatever it is. And yeah. you know, and then they're like, how? And I'm like, well, have a seat. I would love yes, to tell you exactly. how. <laughs> yeah. Let's chat about this. Yeah. And it's funny. Cause I, I, uh, I struggled for a little while because I was, you know, running ADPI while doing the military thing. So it was one of those like, am I doing personal business by talking to people about real estate while I'm here? And then, like, I I went and I had to sit down with our JAG to kind of go, okay, well, like, where's my limits? Like, I don't, I don't want to be getting in trouble for like, you know talking to some, uh, some enlisted guy or some, you know, uh, somebody and then get in trouble for doing personal business like on duty. And really I'm just trying to help somebody's financial future. Like, no, you need to, right. you need to fix yourself. You know, right. I remember moving from Japan to, to DC and uh, I, that was the first time I'd walked around and somebody in the office was like, Wait, I, I know you from ADPI. And I was like, ah, son of a gun, this is weird. You know, like, <laughs> I, I, like it was, that was a very odd, odd moment, but, um, but it gave me an opportunity. I, I started doing, you know, uh, different meetings and like t- telling people about it, like financial meetings that they'd have, like uh, for the Airmen's Council or something like that. I would go and sit down and and chat with them about how to do how to secure their finance. <clears throat> yeah. Excuse me, how to how to do better with their finances. And it was it opened up a lot of opportunities, but it was very. Uh, but people didn't have a clue. They were like, "What do you mean you own apartment buildings?" Like I was like, "Well, yeah, I mean, I, I own apartment buildings." <laughs> another thing that's funny is like you know people in the real estate world know that there's so many ways to make money in real estate and there's so many different yeah. roles in there. So, but when you tell someone that you work with that you're in real estate, they, they think that me, they think that equals you're a real estate agent. Exactly. You know? Yeah. Because they All think, the Oh, you're in real estate. That means real estate. It's like, no, like there's 
so many yeah. things to do in real estate, but people don't, people just associate real estate with real estate agent. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. it. So, yeah, like even, even my mother in law, who knows that I buy apartment buildings and like do all the real estate stuff just a couple weeks ago. Um, she was like, Oh, so like when you transferred your license to Florida, I was like, I don't, I don't have a license. Like, what do you mean you don't have a license? I said, I don't sell real estate. I'm not an agent. She's like, but don't you need a license? No. Like, I don't like, do, do you need a license for the uh, two houses you own? No. you like, you just own houses, you yeah. know, but it's yeah, it's a uh, thing, you know? Yeah. But I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm still, you know, like my, my wife's uh, mom was born and raised in Cuba. Um, and her dad was born and raised in Spain. But you know, when they, when they moved here, my, uh, my mother-in-law's parents had like lived with my mother-in-law for a little while while they were renting out the house that they owned until the mortgage was paid off. And then they moved into their own house. So like they were, they were trying to play a long game of just like, no, like I, they didn't have the sophistication, but they knew the logic behind what they were doing is, you know, holding their money inside of their, their house. And okay, we'll just rent that out until it becomes something. Um, so like that was fed into Raquel's brain. Um, but like she didn't quite like she was invested in the TSP, but it was almost all in the G fund because she was just like, I just need to invest oh. in something. But she didn't realize like what she didn't look into it past. I just know I need to save, you know, because that's what she saw from from her parents, you know. Um, so then when I started doing all the research and going, boy, we really need to fix this because I, I I'm a researcher like crazy anyway. So I was just like digging into all of it. And then we adjusted all of our TSP stuff and started looking at the the different real estate thing. Like there's so many different ways to get involved in real estate. It's insane. Um, yeah. You know, you could be just the the passive guy, like just a passive person that just buys a house or two once in a while and lets it go. Or you could just jump right in and buy, you know, a thousand units at a time. It's insane, <laughs> but you can, you can go buy a thousand units at one time. It's uh, it's yeah. crazy. Yeah. Uh, you mentioned the, um, the TSP that it, it, it's painful when you hear someone say like, Hey, my, uh, you know, the stock market has, you know, done really well over the last 10 years, but my TSP, like the balance has hardly changed. And you're just like, is everything in the G fund? They're like, yeah. I'm just like, oh, yeah. it's like painful. <laughs> that's like, the automatic thing. You know? Yeah. That's for like, those that don't know the G fund is just like, uh, it's like bonds and you know, it's like the lowest risk, lowest reward. It's what, it's what you want to allocate your stuff to when you're like 60, 65, not when yes. you're 24 <laughs> and people just, it defaults to the G fund or it used to, and I don't know if it still does, but, and so people missed out on five, 10 plus years of like stock market gains. And it's just like painful yeah. to hear that. That was my wife, very much so. You know, uh, and it was like, oh, you got a solid two percent return on your money. <laughs> Great job, <laughs> Great. but who was I to judge? Because I had zero dollars in savings. I had nothing. Like, well, at least you, at least you were saving money. You know, I didn't have a freaking clue. Yeah, but but yeah, I uh, um, I I couldn't I could have fathom where I'd be if I'd have learned some of this stuff at a younger age, which is one of the reasons that, you know, with, with ADPI, we're trying to impact as many as we can early to, to, to get them thinking about it in a different way and be like, no, like you could do what you did and buy a house at every assignment, rent it out when you leave. And now you have multiple, you could leave, you could retire with 10 houses because you lived in 10 different places, you know, depending right. on how often you move. Um, right. If you move as often as I did every two years, then yeah, you have 10 different houses, right. you know? So, uh, but no, like that, People don't think about it that way. Yeah, and someone that just does that is like ahead of ninety eight percent of the country. Yes, the the country. Very much. You know, so. I mean, it's- I think I think the average person's like, uh, if I recall correctly from something I heard recently, it was like the average person's, the average American's net worth is like five hundred bucks. It's something silly like that. 
Like it, it's like nobody, obviously not nobody, but it's, it's so ingrained in us to use our credit cards all the time, to put everything, uh, put everything on loan all the time, which I've got no issues. Like I'm a, a, a certified Dave Ramsey coach. So I understand the concepts that he talks about, but I also understand the strategic use of, of, you know, debt and, and, uh, how you can use debt to buy assets and uh, make a big difference in your life. But uh, uh, I think for 90% of America, they should listen to Dave Ramsey and everything he says. <laughs> like, Absolutely. Get rid of your credit cards. Um, like just stop doing silliness and teach your kids to do that as well. Because, and, and show them that that's what you're doing because man, oh man, like it's, it's crazy to, uh, to watch what people are doing uh, yeah. with their money or, or not doing with their money or remembering what I used to do with my money. Like that, thankfully I never had credit cards or anything like that, but it was, I mean, I might as well had with what I was doing, you know, but I could have at least right. been getting points. So <laughs> Yeah. I remember listening to Dave Ramsey like years ago when he was just on, you know, AM radio and uh, I always, I always enjoyed listening to it because I've always been interested in personal finance. Like I, I really like personal finance and you know, hearing some of the stories of people calling in where they're like, mm-hmm. you know, they say what debt they have and like what their income is. And it's just like painful hearing some of those stories and then how he just like rips into them, you know, but it's, uh, yeah, he's great at getting, you know, getting people to zero once, once he gets, that's where he and I differ on like strategy because he's yeah. very like, you know, he's very against any kind of debt and all that and like real estate. And, but, but his advice is sound, f- like you said, for the vast majority of America, yeah. the, ma- the vast majority of America would be infinitely better by doing what he recommends. But like for that very small chunk of people, like, you, you know, you and, and myself, like where it's like, okay, we can, we can do other things, you know, we can, mm-hmm. we can, we can leverage money, you, you know, in, in safe, unique ways to, you know, grow, grow the, the, the wealth. But like the average person should not be doing that stuff because they're not yeah. going to do the research. They're not going to join a mastermind group. They're not going to take the steps needed to do it, you know, correctly. Um, yeah. So, yeah. But yeah, he's, he's a, he's great. I still like listening to him. Yeah. It's, it's a lot of fun to listen to him and like go through <laughs> Again, listen to those stories that happened and all the stuff. But you know, when you hear about what he did, though, like as as a uh, as an educational point, right? So he was doing a lot of short term uh, debt with other people's money, using the OPM with like twelve to twenty four month debt with the bank, um, not doing like strategic long term debt. Like if you if you did nothing but do bridge debt right now, you'd be in a world of hurt. Which is how he ended up going bankrupt, you know, because like all the bridge, like when those those local banks were like, dude, you have millions of dollars in 12 month debt, millions and millions of dollars in 12 month debt. There's no way we want to have all of that in one person. So they started calling all his debt. He's like, well, yeah, that's not wise debt to get, especially if that's all the debt you have. Like, I mean, yeah, you could do that for a project or two and, and, you know, use bridge debt or use, use something like that. But man, yeah, it's going to, you're going to lose your socks in a, in a, in a heartbeat. And that's what he did. And yeah, I mean, now obviously it, it scared him away and he's, he's done really well for himself and uh, still a big fan of capitalism. And, you know, um, obviously cause he's running a, a mega business at the moment. So yeah, he is, but, yeah, but good on him. You know, it's, it's uh, uh, well done. Um, so that, that said, what kind of thoughts do you have on, um, I mean, your, your kid is just over a year, but what kind of thoughts do you have on how you're going to be talking to your kid about money? What kind of influences you want to have with your kid on money? What, what are your, what are your thoughts there on, on how you're going to push that forward? Yeah, that's a really good question. And, um, you know, he's, 
he's not really talking yet. He's like just babbling, mm-hmm. you know? And so we're, I thankfully have some time to figure that out. And that's why I like being in a group like GoBundance where, you know, you, yeah. there's hundreds of other people that have, you know, figured that out and made mistakes and you can learn from their mistakes when it comes to talking to kids about money. But, um, you know, I think it's a lot of it is just showing him, not necessarily telling him, but kind of showing him like, Hey, here's how, you know, here's where we sit. We got to make sure we, you know, we got to make sure we save money. You know, we don't want to spend everything. And, uh, and I think just talking through things, um, as life events come up, like what, what is a credit card? Okay. You know, well, let's talk about what a credit card is. Let's talk mm-hmm. about how we pay it off every month, no matter what we, you know, we spend below our means. I think, um, you know, I haven't really put too much because he's so young. I haven't put too much like exactly into how to do it, but I think, you know, I like the idea of, you know, some kind of an allowance just to show him like, Hey, here's your income. You can spend it how you want to, you can save it. You can, uh, do extra stuff around the house to earn more income. But if you want to, and if you want to buy something big, you got to save up for it, you know, maybe depending on the item, you know, we'd meet him halfway and like, you know, but, but it really just driving those, those lessons through various things, you know, especially reiterating that, like, just because you want something doesn't mean you can have something. Cause I think that, yeah. you know, ha- having that kind of mindset, especially with, with parents that grow up in a household where they didn't have everything where, where or maybe they were, you know, they, they lived, you know, uh, their parents were maybe paycheck to paycheck or they didn't have the stuff that they wanted and all that. And then they, they get to a point where they can afford stuff and then they want to give their kid everything they have, yes. everything they want. And then that's like, that kind of conditions the kid to like, if I want something, I can get it. How do I get it? Mm-hmm. Credit card, you know? So if you're not teaching them that stuff, um, it, you know, it can be very you know detrimental obviously. But um, yeah, I think, I mean, I guess that's a good question for you. Like how, 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 have, how have you done it? I mean, do you do the allowance thing or? Uh, at the moment? No. Um, so I've, I've definitely talked about investing, um, and kind of, you know, uh, showing what we do and, you know, there's, uh, um, you know, we've, we've been talking about business owning and, um, like we just went a couple days ago, um, went to, uh, uh do some shark tooth hunting. Like this is placed a couple hours away from here where you can just go and they, they dig up all this old, old dirt that's got a bunch of shark teeth in it. Maybe, you know, maybe you can get a megalodon tooth type of thing. So the boys were wow. super excited. They thought it was awesome. We found like some pieces of megalodon teeth. So, I mean, you're like the root, it was like this, it was like an inch and a half, um, uh, thick where it broke off. So I was like, goodness gracious. I couldn't imagine like this wow. tooth had to be huge. But anyways, um, so while we were out there, I was like, Hey, what do you think? Like we, we've got, you know, I think we have like 270 teeth or something like that that we found. So while we were hunting and he was just loving life, I was like, well, what do you think about, you know, what, what can we do with all these teeth? You know, and started talking about like, okay, well maybe, maybe, we'll do, maybe we make more of it, but find out how much we could sell some shark teeth jewelry for, you know? And then he was like, yeah, that would be a good idea. And then we, we've got an au pair and she was like, yeah, I'll help do that. You know? So then now we can make a project out of, okay, well we went and we spent this much money on, going to go do this shark tooth hunt and now so we need that money back plus supplies that we have so like let's do the math calculate it out and like i'm that's that's one of our plans now because that was just a couple days ago so now i've got to get like all the stuff to make the necklaces and bracelets and all that type of stuff but um but at least it gets him thinking about business and money and now he's going to earn money um uh, so, I mean, I've even started talking about, okay, well, how about we do, I, I get 75% of the profits until I, I get my money back and then we split it down to 50, 50, or maybe 75, 25, we switch it over. Once I get all my money back, now you get 75%. I get 20. So we're, we're just having conversations about what that money looks like. Now I've got to write it all out on paper so that he can kind of, 
Sure. It's hard to track all, all in an eight-year-old's brain. Um, but, you know, he, he loves being able to talk about money. And I'd say one of the hardest things is, it, this might be easier for you than it was for me, but a lot of what I heard was, no, we can't afford that. No, like, we don't have enough money for that. And yes. I still say that rather often. Not because we can't afford it, because we, we can. Like, I mean, he's asking for a bouncy ball, right? But we have 7,000 other bouncy balls. Do you really need a bouncy ball? Like, what could we right. use that money for? Um, so now it's more, I'm trying to make sure that the language that I say is more, uh, uh, not to be cliche, but more abundance mindset as opposed yeah. to scarcity mindset. Like, no, we, like, yeah, we could totally afford that. We have the money for it. Like, no big deal. But is that really where we want to spend our money? Because if we spend our money on that, then I can't use that money for, you know, when you want to go to some, you know, islands of adventure out in Orlando or whatever. Right. Um, yeah, that's where so it seems for, like it'd be a good introduction of like wants versus needs. Yeah. You know, and then also introducing the idea, which I'm sure is tough for kids to understand. Well, I mean, it's tough for most adults to understand, but like delay, delayed gratification, you know, yes. like not getting, getting it right now because it feels good. It feels good to get that toy in the store right now, but you have seven of these other ones at home. So you just wait to, yeah. but in the moment they, they see it, they want it, which is how, I mean, that's how adults are too, you know? Yeah. Um, oh, for sure. Yeah. But I think that getting that delayed gratification, you know, Hey, you can, you can buy this right now, but, but remember where you said you wanted to save up for a guitar, you know? Mm -hmm. So if you buy this now, it's going to be a lot longer until you can get that guitar. So which one do you want? Do you want the ball right now? Or do you want to extend the time until you can get the guitar or whatever, the bigger purchase down the road? And then you can see them like, yeah, thinking and, you know, and let maybe let yeah. them make that decision, you know? So, yeah. 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 And then they could feel the pain of the wrong decisions too, at that point. Yeah. You know? And, uh, it's funny because we we have uh, my son had a wallet um, that had like I don't know three hundred and eighty bucks or something like that and it, if I brought him in here he would tell you to the dollar how much was in there uh, but when we moved from uh, Virginia to Florida uh, it is no longer around our only assumption is at this point with everything that we've done to try to find it is that the movers. Um, put it in their pocket thinking it was their Spider-Man wallet perhaps. Um, and it is completely gone. Like, and, and so, you know, now it's been a talk about, okay, well, why do some people do that with money? Like, how are they thinking about money versus how you're thinking about money? Cause like we can replenish this and we can earn money back and we could like, there's a billion ways to make that money back. So, you know, don't let it be the end of the world for you. Like, let's have, let's, let's figure out. And, and he's fine with it. He's like, all right, well, I mean, Let's figure out how to get it back, you know. So I'll, I'll, I re we replenished the majority of it, uh, well, really all of it, other than what what he owed us because we we bought something else for him. Like to your to your point, and we, well, this is your money that we're spending. So right, um, but uh, uh, but clearly somebody who's who's stealing money has a bad mindset about money. So let's have a conversation about that. Like there's, you know, we could be watching TV about something. Like, was that a wise move that they just did? Like with, yeah. with this financial thing or with this whatever. Um, uh, I sound I sound almost like that's all I do is is teach them. I, I feel like that, but um, anytime there's an opportunity and I think of it, I'm going to say something like because I never had those thoughts until I was much older. So if I can get it ingrained in his brain now um, to think about money that way, then right. great, you know. So yeah, like yeah, I, and I think another, you know, my, my wife she didn't um, she didn't get a lot of money conversations growing up either. Um, so it's, you know, but thankfully we've both been intentional. We, like, we've already been talking about like, you know, how are we going to handle that? And I think that's another thing is like making sure 
you know, the for sure the spouse is on the same page as well, um, so that you're mm-hmm. you know unified with how you're going to talk about all that. But the the thing that I've thought about a bit more rather than like the tactical day to day stuff is like, how do you have the conversation with like an older kid? Maybe not that much, like oh, you know older than ten once they're really starting mm-hmm. to understand the concepts of like wealth and there's you know, hmm, these people have drive this kind of car and live in this kind of house. And these people live in this kind of house, you know? So how do you have the conversation of like, you know, wealth and, um, you know, the, the transfer of wealth and like how, you know, like me and your mom are wealthy, but that doesn't mean you are, you know, that doesn't mean you're wealthy, you know? And so, yeah. um, yeah, yeah, you're living with us now, but you're going to have to do something on your own someday. And how do you, and then how do you transfer or not transfer that wealth to them? How do you, how do you, how do you talk to them in a way about wealth to know that they don't, that they're going to have to build something on their own if that's something that they want, um, you know, mm-hmm. and, and do you, do you give anything to your kids? Like, how do you, how do you, like, if they're going off to college, do you pay for their college? Well, I guess our, you know, my wife's already transferred her GI bill to our son, but like, you know, what, what about groceries when they're living in college? Do you pay for that or not? Mm-hmm. Do you, do you, you get, do they need to get a job? Do, what part-time versus full-time? Do they have to work in the summer? Like, how do you, that's going to, I think that's going to be tougher because there's so many different ways to do it. And there's a hundred different opinions on how to do that correctly. You know, there's the, you know, cause I had buddies in college that had to work part-time or full-time because their parents were like, Hey, we're paying for your tuition. That's it. And then other friends who like parents paid for everything because they didn't want them to work because they wanted them to focus on school. So like, and there's valid points to all of that in, you know, even a bigger level of conversation. Does it make sense to even go to college at all? You know, yeah. but like, yeah. you know, just for the sake of conversation, like how do you handle that college thing? You know, cause there's, there's no like necessarily right or wrong answer. And a lot of it is based off of what we did growing up because that's our, mm-hmm. you know, oh, well, the way this is the way that, I, that it was done for me. So obviously that is the best way to, you know, do it, which, but you know, is it, maybe it's not, may or know? may not be true. Yeah. Yeah. So like, that's, <laughs> I, I do think about that kind of stuff kind of like further down the road more than like, mm-hmm. you know, here's why you can't have that toy right now, you know, you know, with the, but it's probably cause my, my son is so young. He's not even like, you know, having that stuff yet. And just my personality type, I just zoom ahead years in the future for some reason yeah. to think, think about conversations conversations that we'll be having 15 years from now. But um, yeah, that's another thing. I think about that more often, I think, than those tactical day-to-day conversations about money. But um, I think it's one of those like, you know, reaching out to Gilbros and folks I know like, hey, you mm-hmm. know, my son said this, like, how do you handle that? Or what book did you read to, you know, to, to talk about money in this way to your kids? So um, I think that's, yeah, I'm not sure how I'm going to handle all that stuff. But that's why I'm in a group yeah. like Obonnet. So <laughs> exactly. But to your point, like there's there's ten to fifteen thousand different ways to do it, right? So like I mean, you know, a couple. I mean, we've had a couple guys on the podcast that have have talked about different things that they're planning to do. Like and then like my I, um, I loved Brandon Turner's idea about um, you know buying buying a house for his kids, right? right. Um, and then when they when they graduate, it's theirs. Like you could sell it, take the money, and go to college. You could sell it, take the money, and do whatever you want with it. You could keep it and keep the cash flow. Like let's talk about it and figure figure it out. But I think that that I think figuring out what you're going to do after they graduate is a conversation that's had up until the point they graduate. Right. And, and it's something that you like learning what your, cause you may, if I were to guess, like, I mean, I, if I look at my kids and say, okay, well, 
I would imagine I'm going to react or do something a little bit different with each, with each one of the kids. It doesn't mean I'm going to be unfair or you know, whatever, but right. one kid may be really good with money and the other one may not be so good with money. And I have to you know, adjust a little bit on, on what they're planning to do. But um, there's one guy I was talking to that he said that, uh, you know, he, he's got the money set aside for either, you know, uh, basically to supply them for two years after you graduate, I'll take care of you for two years. You know, if you want to chase an aspiration, a dream and go do something, then I'll help fund it for two years. After two years, it's you. Like I'm not, I'm not funding your, your dream. If you haven't been able to accomplish something in your dream, like whether you want to, like maybe you want to go be an actor, you know, when you go, go to California, you want to be an actor. So I'll help you also help support you for two years as you're chasing that dream. But after two years, if you haven't gotten to the point where you could sustain yourself, we're done. Like I'm not, I'm, uh, I'm not an infinite pool of investment, you know. Because to your point, right. um, there's another guy in Go Abundance who was like having that conversation with his kids. He's like, no, 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 no. We, <laughs> us, are not rich. Mommy and daddy have money. You do not. Like, <laughs> right. So you have to figure out how to go do this. Um, right. There's a book. I think it's called. Uh, is it called the Rockefeller Way? I've heard of that one. I don't know. Yeah, uh, I think that's what it's called. Uh, but I enjoyed listening to that one for sure. And kind of like, okay, well, uh, how do I strategically plan my future to where, you know, they they get to make decisions on money, but at the same point, if they're not the right decisions, they don't get the money type of stuff. Like you could set it up at various different trusts and have the, all the stuff set up to where like they can only use the money for certain things and, um, you know, and trying to plan that all out. And I think talking with, you know, like talking with each other and talking with other, you know, um, go abundance guys and various other, um, you know, wealthy folks that have, are kind of already structured up, you know, in a way that we like, that'll help us kind of figure that out. Cause I haven't fully figured that out by any means. My oldest is eight, you know, he's eight and a half years old. So I haven't, uh, I got a little while before I've figured it out, but I do want to figure it out so quickly, <laughs> you know, cause the, the first eight yeah. years disappeared pretty quickly. And I would imagine the next eight are going to disappear just as fast. So yeah. How, how do you handle? So here's another thing I've thought about is, you, know, you see a lot of parents who are like pushing their kids in a certain direction. Yeah. And I think that's like, I'm at least right now, you know, my wife and I were like, we, we don't, whatever he wants to pursue, we're fine with. We don't want to push him in any one direction because I think a lot of parents are like, Oh, I or maybe they, they, they take an interest in soccer or whatever. And it's like, okay, you need to be the best. You need to be a professional soccer player. And then it's like fast forward uh -huh. a year, the kid's not interested in soccer anymore, you know, but you don't, yeah keep pushing them. And I think that at least my perception of it is when parents are pushing kids in a certain direction, it's almost like a narcissism of the parent because they want, yeah. like they're pushing the kid to be a doctor so that they can say my kid's a doctor. Now, obviously they want a good life for their kid and, you know, mm -hmm. they, you know, be wealthy or whatever. Like, uh, but I, I, I see a lot of that and I'm just like, man, like why push your kid, like let them go where they want to go and just support whatever that is you know, within reason, obviously, but, um, yeah. you know, s s just be, just be supportive because they'll be successful in something that they enjoy doing. Um, and if you push them in one direction, there's going to be friction down the road with that because if they don't actually want to do it. Then why, why, why keep pushing them for that one thing? So that's something I think about. Have you encountered that at all? Like with you and your wife, like, um, do you guys push them in any direction or are you more like, you know, we'll support you wherever you want to go as long as it's not something, you know, absurd or unhealthy or something yeah. like that. Well, if I did start to push them, I'm not going to say it now because you just would have been judgmental on me for doing it. That's true. I would have. But been. no, no. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I've actually had that conversation multiple times because I, um, you know, like I, my Adam and Rourke both love golf. Right. And I'm a big fan of golf. So I tend to think, okay, do they only love golf because daddy likes golf? 
Yeah. Like, am I pushing them to do this? So like I told Raquel, I said, we'll, we'll keep funding it as long as they're enjoying it and want to do it. But if, if they stop and don't want to do it, we're not going to quit mid season. Like you've made a commitment. We're going to go through right. it, go through with it. Right. Um, so let's finish the season. Like we've got a golf match later on today. Um, uh, I think he'd rather go to, uh, to Bush gardens or Islands of adventure um, because it's summer and he wants to be able to do that. But at the same point, he loves golf. So he's like, yeah, let's go do it. Let's go figure this out, you know, and we go golf together and all the stuff. So sometimes I feel like I'm pushing that. Um, but I, I try to have the conversation with him like, Hey, but like, is this something you really want to enjoy? Should we be taking a break from this? He's like, no, 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 I don't want to take a break. You know? And it's, it's like, okay, well, I mean, I, I just want to make sure that, you know, I'm not pressuring you, but there's still always that thing in the back of my mind. Like, you know, just like he started playing hockey, um, before, um, before COVID started and then it, COVID shut down the hockey ranks and everything. We weren't able to go in for a little while right. and we just haven't, haven't gone back, especially after the move. Um, but, uh, but that was always a sport that I wanted to play, but we couldn't afford to play. So it's like, okay, well I, I got him into hockey. He likes playing. And now am I, am I pushing him towards this stuff? You know, like I, yeah. it's always a fear because I love golf and I love hockey and I, you know, trying to push him into those, but at the same point, not really push him into those. So, um, I have the same concept and theory as you as like, Hey, just kind of let them figure their own, their own way out. Like, you know, every action has an equal opposite reaction. So if I push really hard, he's either going to push really hard back or I'm going to knock him over. It's like, right. I don't, and I don't want either of those to happen. I want him to kind of find his own way. Yeah. Well, you brought up a good point about commitment. I mean, you know, like, Hey, you want, you know, they're talking about how they want to do golf for the season or whatever. And it's like, okay. But if, if you do this, you're going to, you're going to do it. You're going to do it at yeah. least through the season. And then we'll, reassess if you don't like it after the season then we won't do it again but you signed it and, and that's different i think that's not necessarily like pushing them if because if you're like i don't want to yeah. go golf. it's like well you you signed up for golf so like we're yeah. you know we're, we're doing it right so that I th that's different that's just teaching them like hey you you know you said you're going to do this you committed it you told mommy and daddy you wanted to do it so you, you we're doing it you know um mm -hmm. that's different but that's another good point about just committing to something and following through with it that's it that's another important lesson um, you know, whether or not you, if you halfway through, you don't like it as much, you committed to it. So you can end it at the, the end of the season and maybe pursue something else. But for now, you know, you gotta, you gotta show up because you said you would. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that that's a, a, a good lesson on both sides, like you said. So, you know, that's what I try to stick to. And, you know, if my kid turns out to be a terrible mess, then none of you guys should listen to me, but, uh, <laughs> Yeah, time, well, time will tell. Time will tell. Yeah, one activity, uh, just because because I did uh, when I was younger, I did swimming, and I was I was really good at it. But um, the big de you know deterrent for it, and there's a part of me that you know, if our son Cal wants to swim, great. But it's like they start really early in the morning, like the swimming yeah. stuff, like super early, and then you're just there like all day long, you know. And it's like, so I mean, if he wants to do swimming, we'll support it. But a part of me is kind of like. If he doesn't, that's okay too. <laughs> you know? uh -huh. Uh -huh. Something that's like not super inconvenient for the parents would be ideal. I'm not going to push him in that direction, but you know, um, yeah, that's why. Yeah. Well, that's, I think just about any sport is, has some inconvenience to it, unless it's strictly like an after school sport that they're doing during, like for school, like, and that's it. Um, right. But other than that, I mean, it, like I, I ran cross country and that was a school one, but I had to wake up early, um, you know, right. get in, get to get out of the bus, to go to the, the invitationals like that started at 8 a.m. So I was at the bus at 6 a.m. and doing the whole thing. So, uh, you know, it, the, ugh, it was always a pain, but my parents never, 
they were never able to go to a majority of that stuff. So I just walked right. my happy butt to school or got a ride from somebody else and figured yeah. it all out. So my parents didn't have to suffer through that. But and, and running is definitely the uh, lower middle class slash poor parents work. It's like, what, what do you need? Uh-huh. Just shoes? Okay. We can uh-huh. do that. <laughs> Got it. Hockey? Nah, not so much. Lacrosse? <laughs> yeah. No, I don't think so. Yeah. You know. Yeah, it was the same thing with wrestling because, like, all, all I needed was wrestling shoes sold, right? Yeah. So then I did wrestling. And, well, we support you, know. you to wrestle. <laughs> yeah, totally down. Yes, get at yeah. it. So, yeah, cross country, wrestling, and track. That's about that's about what I did. I tried playing football for a little while, but I didn't hit five feet tall or 100 pounds till 10th grade. Well, the summer before 10th grade. So, like, football was not, uh, I wasn't really built for football. I'm yeah. a little bit more built for football now, but not then. Yeah. Like, it, wrestling, I was a, a late bloomer. Yeah. yeah, wrestling. I mean, I was in you know tenth grade and still able to cut down to the ninety six pound weight class for tournaments. You know, it's like it's ridiculous. Yeah, what but, was you yeah. know? I I didn't grow. I grew up in Texas where wrestling like we didn't even. Oh, I didn't even know what wrestling was. I might get a little visitor. Yeah, say hi. What's up? What's up, dude? So you, oh, you want to say hi? No. For those of good you just morning. listening, all he's doing is waving. He's not actually saying hi. Good Mr. morning. Doug said good morning. You want to say good morning? Good morning. How's it going? He said, how's it going? Let me put this in your ear. You can hear him. He you, said, you, you ready for golf later today? Golf? What do you you play golf later? I mean, I play golf. Yeah, you do play golf. Do you like golf? Yeah. yeah. Do you only like it because daddy likes it? No. No. <laughs> Good. You like said the right like, answer. You like please don't say yes. <laughs> <laughs> you crazy boy. All right, can Daddy finish his call? Right, can you say goodbye to Mister Dunn? Bye. Bye. Boop. Boop. See you later, buddy. Do I don't know where your egg is, buddy. But you're making the <laughs> middle of this podcast really awesome. <laughs> Love you, buddy. That's funny. And welcome to fatherhood at home. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so with wrestling, that because that, because I grew up in Texas, we're wrestling. Like I didn't know anyone that wrestled. It just wasn't mm-hmm. a thing. Uh, where you know, where in Houston at least. Um, but like the cutting weight thing, that always seemed when when I heard about that because I played rugby in college and there were a lot of wrestlers that uh, also played rugby and hearing about the cutting weight thing where it's like, oh, you're gonna lose like twenty pounds like before a thing. Like that sounds really unhealthy you know was that a thing yeah. at that small of an age sure was Gosh. yeah and hey and the yeah the other one had to come in now because the youngest one came in so now adam had to come in spider-man but, yeah i hiding behind yep him. spider-man for sure he's a big <laughs> fan of the old spider-man but uh, uh he's got a shark tooth on speed too show the shark tooth after we just got done like telling them about the shark tooth That's so here's one of the necklaces that they gave one of the cheap ones how much is that? Know, we're going to build nicer ones. That one he got for free uh, while we were there. Um, but you know, we could probably sell that one for maybe six bucks. This one? Yeah, I'm not going to sell it. I'm just saying that we probably could. The ones you build, we can sell for probably ten bucks. Yeah. All right. But yeah, cutting weight was for sure a thing. Uh, you know. We, the hard part was, so you didn't get to cut as much, right? Because your weigh-in was the morning of the meet. So if if it was a Saturday morning invitational, then your weigh-in was that morning. So if you were cutting weight, it couldn't be a ridiculous amount because you had to recover enough to be able right. to go and wrestle. Um, but you could still cut, you know, seven pounds in a short time 
and then fuel up on on a bunch of water. I mean, you running in a um, you know a sauna suit, going for a run in a Gosh. sauna suit, sweating your butt off, just pulling all the all the liquid out, and um, you know is what it is. You know, that was part yeah. of the part of what it was. I never really had to worry about it much because I was always so small. Um, but uh, but I knew like plenty of people on my team that were were cutting weight pretty hard. A, a buddy of mine uh, that I played rugby with, he he was actually in the Air Force uh, after college, but um, he was uh, a state champion in Virginia for wrestling, and they were nice. encouraged. Their coaches like encouraged them to uh, like dip, like chewing tobacco as a way to like mm-hmm. just spit, 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 more spit, spit, cut yeah. weight. I was like, wow, you're encouraging these like high school kids to do dip, but, you know, to cut weight. Like that, that that world was very different. I was like, wow, that's crazy. So. Yeah, I mean, there were people on the bus all the time on the way to like spit in bottles so that they wouldn't swallow any of their saliva. So the like at like the infinitesimal amount. But if you're overweight, you're not wrestling. You can't, you know, anything yeah. happening. So people did what they had to do. You know, if they were 135 pound weight class and they are usually around 140 pounds, they're cutting five pounds before every uh, before every meet. So wow. yeah. sweating it, and I guess a lot, most of that's of just it. water weight, right? Yeah, yeah, you cut a lot of water weight, and then you just feel back up on it. Um, now there was only one tournament I actually remember cutting weight for, and it was it was to cut down to it was to make sure I was below ninety six for a tournament. Because um, in a regular match, there was no such thing as a ninety six; it was only one hundred and three. But um, there was one tournament where I was doing that on the bus, but I still weighed in without an issue under ninety six pounds. Yeah. So that can't be uh, healthy for a, what? How old were you for that? Uh, probably sixteen. Yeah. Yeah. Jeez. Fifteen, sixteen. Yeah. Yeah. Probably not great. <laughs> not great uh, health wise yeah but you know and it was funny because you look at some of the other folks they were like you know uh, much larger and like much more muscular because i was such a late bloomer on getting you know any testosterone in my body at all but all these other guys who had you know uh, hit puberty at 10 years old and like they're they're beefy <laughs> and like you know six-pack abs are like where did like I, I don't know where either one of us cut it from because you got nothing but muscle and i've got nothing but bones like where where are we cutting this weight from but you know we figure it out there's obviously a lot of a lot of water in there to lose so yeah but uh, but that was nothing that you know to go back to the parent thing my parents never pushed me on that and that's one thing that i wish my parents would have done is is make me commit to some of those things Mm -hmm. um because like when i would i would quit halfway through a football season because uh a, I would never play. B, I was too afraid to go play because going back to that thing, I'm, I'm getting hit by people who, you know, hit puberty 10 years ago. And here I am trying to figure out life. And I'm like, I don't even know what to do. And I'm getting destroyed. I was like, this they is have no mustaches. Yeah. <laughs> I know. Like, they've got mustaches. And here I am, like, uh, still hoping for armpit hair. Like, <laughs> you know? And, uh, and uh, um, uh, yeah. And now I'm like a, the furry bear it's ridiculous I, yeah. anyways yeah good good beard that's for sure yeah well thank you thank you nice. um but yeah i uh i wish that my parents would have taught me a little bit more about the commitment side on that like uh, just i wish that i would have committed a bit more is what i right. should say like it was on me i should have committed a bit more but i bounced around and i almost always went back to cross country because that was something i was good at i could run long distances i still can i can still do you know do pretty well even though i'm a little chubbier now than i i uh, <laughs> used to be but um it's uh, uh i kept trying things that i thought would make me look cool and i think that's another one of those conversations to have with the kids like it does, like it go for what you enjoy go for what you want to do not for what you think people want to do you know uh, yeah. want you to do so um 
I don't, I don't really know how to attack that conversation yet because there hasn't been a ton of social pressure yet for a third grader going into fourth grade, right? It's not really that social yeah. pressure is not there yet, but I'm not sure how I'm going to deal with that. What, one thing that gives me, I guess, anxiety isn't the right word, but that I'm like, you know, concerned with in the future is like the, you know, the whole like bullying thing and, you mm-hmm. know, kids not fitting, you know, they feel like they don't fit in or other kids being mean to them. Like, how do you, have you encountered any of that yet? Uh, that's something that kind of, that, that we do think about, my wife and I. So I've had some of the conversations, but we haven't actually encountered it yet. No, well, not real bullying, like some some picking on, right? Uh, but you know, one thing, the, one of the ways that I typically talk about, it, especially now that we've got a little girl, so I've got two older boys, and now we just had the little girl. Um, so I'm telling them, like, I don't care. You will not ever hit somebody or bully somebody unless they're bullying you. If you're protecting somebody else or protecting yourself, it's game on. Like, you do what you have to do. Like. There's going to be a bully out there one day that I am not going to have an issue at all if you punch him in the face. I don't care if you get suspended from school. I don't care what goes on. If that bully is picking on your brother, picking on your sister, picking on one of your friends, you know, doing violence to somebody else, protect protect your friend, protect your family. That's all. Like I don't care one way or another. Um, so that's more of the conversation I have, and I, I word it a little bit differently when I'm talking to you know an eight year old. But it's more like I, if, if, in protection of self and others, I, it, it doesn't bother me. You do what you have to do. Like that's that's yeah. your job. Um, uh, it's your job as a man as you're growing up to learn how to protect yourself and others. And if if it happens, it happens. But if I find out you're the bullying one, if you're the one doing the bullying, we're gonna have issues, right? Because yeah. like once in a while, he'll he'll do something to his like the older one will do something to his little brother, and I'm like, you see what you just did that's really close to bullying. Like you don't think about it as bullying, but that's what you're doing to your little brother. And he's like, really? I said, yeah, look, yeah. and I'll explain how it all goes. And he's like, well, I didn't think about it. I was like, yeah, well, that's what it is. Like you're, you're yeah. picking on them using your size and your, your strength to overpower what your little brother wants to do. So yeah. they're also learning about rules of engagement. Yes. <laughs> yes, for sure. Yes. Yeah. If I can get some good ROEs for them, you know, put them on a piece of paper. Yeah, uh, it's funny. Adrian, uh, Adrian Akai, I think is how you pronounce his last mm-hmm. name. He's a, another GoBundance guy, but he does. Uh, um, he, boy, like super involved dad. Um, owns a uh, a Gracie Jiu Jitsu gym. Um, uh, black belt in Jiu Jitsu. Uh, yeah, he's a big he's, Philly, he's, right? Or Florida? Uh, no, he's in Florida. Yeah, he Florida. moved down to Florida. Yeah, so he's a phenomenal dude. I like him a lot. But um, he's got like a chart and everything that, uh, that he he shared with me that they use for. So they use it for the kids in the in the Gracie gyms. Like, hey, um, if you you know, hey, making your bed. Like, if you do this x amount of times on the chart, then you know you get a color on your on your belts. Like, and different things to help kind of motivate self discipline and and mm-hmm. and uh, self control. Um, and then he built one for his for his family as well, and they'll sit around at dinner and go over the chart. And I I I need to build that discipline in to have more of those conversations with the kids as far as discipline and um you know taking care of your room and doing all the stuff and making sure that you know you're following through with with uh, commitments and et cetera et cetera. But um, if I if I think about it or you want it, I'll I'll try to send you the chart over. He sent it to us in email, but. That, that's a really good idea, um, and it shows you know everyone in the house how how they're doing, you know how yeah. you know, the progress and you know having an, a reward of some kind, uh, you know an incentive and and all that. That's that's a that's a really good idea. I guess that's the other thing. Like, what age do you even start that kind of stuff? Four, five, like yeah, it's a pretty early. You can start it. You know, like um, figuring out and like showing incentives and everything. You can use pretty early. Like um, right. 
you know, what we were trying to get Adam to stop sucking his thumb. He sucked his thumb until he was five. I think it was. Um, but we were, we're like, what do we got to do? And like he was, and then we found he was super incentivized at school by these little paper or by these little clothespins they would get. Um, you know, they start off with three and they can earn more or they could get taken away. Um, and, and he would be very upset if he came home and only had two because he lost a clothespin for whatever reason. Right. Um, and then, uh, so we started using that because he was motivated by it to help him stop, stop sucking his thumb. Like, okay, well, when you're at home, you're going to have three clothespins. So I see you sucking your thumb. I'm going to have to take one. And then, I mean, that boy quit quickly. <laughs> so then we, we had a conversation about, okay, well, you're motivated by these types of things. And, you know, like, let's let, figure it out. So then we started, you know, trying to think through how do we, how do I use what they're motivated by to get them to do certain things? Um, some of it is money. Sometimes they're motivated by money. Sometimes they're motivated by what, like there's various different things, but the conversation is always, I don't know, for me, like communicating with the kids is something I'm, I'm constantly thinking about. It's right. always what words am I using around them? What, what am I teaching them with the actions that I do? Um, and that's, I think one of the bigger things is um, the things are caught, not taught oftentimes with kids. So what are they mm-hmm. seeing you do that they're catching on to? Um and then how can I use my words to solidify what they see me doing? And boy, that's tough. It's, it's, it's like a constant brain motion. Yeah. That's something I've thought about is like, you know, being a good parent is like, you know, th- th- they learn so much more, it seems from watching you than what you tell them. So it really is like, you know, you, you, the whole like, do as I say, not as I do, like, that's, you know, that's not, it doesn't work. That's not how it works. Right. <laughs> so then it motivates you to like, oh, let me make sure I'm like driving, not like a jerk mm-hmm. or let me, you know, all that. Let me make sure I, you know, talk to retail employees at stores, like in a nice way. And, you know, because they're, my son is too young, you know, he's 13, 14 months, but like, you know, they, they start watching and learning that stuff probably a lot earlier than we think they do. And so, and especially like sure. talking, talking to your spouse, to making sure you're respectful of each other. Cause they learn how, how to talk to a, you know, to how, how to talk to people, how to communicate with people based off of what you're doing. Um, and I think that's something most parents probably never even think about. Um, mm-hmm. But that's, that's definitely motivating for me, you know, even before he can learn from that is like, man, let me make sure I'm, you know, continuing to do things the right way or fix things here yeah. and there. Um, to get ready for him to be watching all that and learning, learning how to live life from watching us. So, yeah, cause he will for sure. You know, it's the same thing. Like it, it uh, one of the books I've absolutely love is secret to the millionaire mind where it talks about where you are, where you get your mindset on money and like where it comes from. And typically it's from what you saw your parents do. And right. that's where we get a majority of our stuff. Right. Which is why abuse victims tend to be abusers later on. Right. Because right. that like, until somebody can break that cycle, right? The self-awareness isn't there to get out of that, that cycle. Like my dad was an abuse, abuse victim. Um, his stepfather would abuse him and treat him like garbage. His real dad died when he was like one or two years old. Um, uh, and his stepdad treated him like garbage. So, uh, it, he, I don't, I'm still not sure entirely how he broke out of that thought process, but, um, never once did he lay his hands on us ever. Um, one time he threatened it and that was because I punched my sister in the face. Um, and he said, if you do that again, we're going to go outside. We'll see if you can hit me. And I was like, never doing that again. Uh, but, uh, but at, in my defense, my sister did throw me down the stairs and that's why I punched her in the face. So, Jeez. I mean, 
I did. I did have a justification. What is, um, yeah, that's, now, where does that fall in the ROE? I mean, that's yeah. <laughs> I know that's. I did. There weren't clear rules of engagement. That's the problem. <laughs> if I had clear rules of engagement, I would have known what to do. But yeah. you know, if the ROE was never ever, no matter what, don't punch your sister. Okay, well, I would have known. But right, I, right. I thought it was self defense. I got thrown down the stairs. Right. Um, but <laughs> that's ridiculous. Um, uh, I don't remember where I was going with that. Oh, uh, yeah, the caught not taught stuff, right? So, yeah. um, but just kind of, uh, I don't know. I I never had a lot of that example, so it took a long time to rewire that wireframe like, until mm-hmm. somebody came in and like mangled it all up. That somebody being Raquel, um, right? Like mangle up that wireframe so I could build a new one, uh, reset my brain on on where to move forward. Because without that, I mean, you're stuck. So if we can make sure that our our kids' wireframe is as well built as possible, but also moldable. Um, because there's going to be some, we're going to put something in their brain that is not going to be useful to them. And then we have to figure out how to make sure they know how right. to, you know, push that out. So right. kind of somehow not screw them up. You know, I think it's, yes. you know, like, like, like your dad, you know, we all have, the, the, everyone has unresolved trauma, you know, and I mm-hmm. think that's what leads to, you know, behavioral problems or relationship problems or whatever. And then there's a spectrum. Some people were, you know, abused growing up and, you know, that's obviously going to create more impact than just, someone that was maybe ignored sometimes mm-hmm. by parents, but there's still impacts of that, that, that are yep. reflected. They're manifested in some way as an adult. And if you don't have, if you don't talk about, it, I think it's really just talking about it. That's why, you know, I, I'm glad that the stigma of like therapist and talking to, to people is like, you know, like our parents' generation is like, Oh, that's weak. You know, yeah. if, you know I don't talk about it. No, that's, that's weak. That's, so I'm glad that that stigma is kind of going away, especially in the military when it comes to like PTSD, like that's the, the cure for PTSD is talking about it, not just yeah. coming home, burying it deep down. Like that's how you have alcoholism, suicide, depression, all that kind of stuff. But it's, it's by talking about it with other people, especially people who are like professionally trained to, to, you know, listen, I guess mm-hmm. um, that's how you overcome those things, you know, cause there's, it's, you know, so many of our problems are, can be traced back to unresolved trauma, usually childhood trauma. Um, yeah. But it doesn't have to be sexual abuse or whatever. Like it can just be the way your parents talk to you or talk to other people or what they did or didn't do. The parents were probably still doing their best, but they're, they're also a product of their own upbringing. So it's just a matter yeah. of uh, talking about and identifying those things. And yeah, but it's kind of our, I see it as like our duty as parents to kind of, you know, really just not screw up the kids, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yes. There's somebody that I don't remember who it was recently that, that said, you know, it's, uh, um, you know, I know I'm going to screw up my kids. I just hope it's not too much, you know, like right. you're, right. you're, you're, we're all going to do something that screws up our kids, but I just hope it's not too much. I mean, there's, there's been multiple times where I right. did something. I was like, this is one of those moments. You've got to right. screw up your kid. Fix even, it now. You know, you, you can't always really like, what if they're in like a, a really bad car crash? Yeah. Like, that's going to yeah. like, but what, you know, there's only so much you can do about that, but that's going to create some serious trauma. They're going to be uncomfortable mm-hmm. being car or who knows how it's going to manifest. But then that's where it's like, okay, let's go talk to therapists. We can talk through that and then kind of minimize yeah. the future damage of something like that. So, yeah, for sure. And it's, uh, I want to go back to, it's something you said though. Like one thing that I, I, I think is extremely important is how we interact with people in front of our kids. Right. Cause they're going to learn a lot from that. Um, uh, you know, right down to the to the waiters that are yeah. waiting your table. Like that's such a good example, especially when I mean it, it's it's one of the like the amount of times you've seen a waiter or waitress just get 
destroyed by somebody, like yelled at, yeah. disrespected, or ignored yeah. completely. Like I don't like I I don't even like to say, even if it's not saying something demeaning. If they're just walking up and they don't even acknowledge that the person's there, they don't nothing. I'm like no, like they're they're taking care of you. Like be respectful to who they right. are, and you know. Um, so I almost always started off with a joke. Like I want to like, there's always some sort of relationship there. And then usually when we go to like a local restaurant, I won't say usually, but um, it's become fun for my son now, but like, we'll, we'll sit down at a restaurant. And if it's, uh, you know, if I get really good service, the person's really fun to be around. Like we'll, we'll play a game where I'll, I'll say, um, you know, uh, pick a number between usually it's like three and 10 or something like that. Like, Hey, my son and I are having a disagreement. Like now um, I need you to, to help us figure it out. Pick a number between three and 10. And then I'll give them a tip. I'll just add a zero onto whatever they say and give them a tip for that, you know? Um, and uh, it's fun for my son. I'm like, look, we get to we get to bless this person. Like they've been taking care of us all night. They would normally only get a ten dollar tip here. Now we just gave them a fifty dollar tip. That's gonna you know, it's gonna make their night. They're you know they they're gonna have a wonderful time. They're gonna have a story to tell somebody else, and hopefully they pass on some good good enjoyment. And now you know he he's like, daddy, daddy, can we do can we do the pick a number game today? You know, like it's it's fun for him now. Like I'm showing him that we can like this is something we can do with money yeah. that we all get enjoyment out of. Like right. and it's not like that silly toy that you want. You know, like we're we're blessing somebody and they're happy and you can see it all over their face. And, right. uh, and it teaches generosity. You know, yeah, for sure. Um, that's something that my dad definitely did not teach me is generosity that I've had to kind of yeah. like. But Nico Bonnet has been huge with that because I, um, you know, when I first did my one sheet, it was like genuine contribution and it was a, it was nothing. And so that yeah. inspired me to, um, cause I wasn't comfortable. Sorry, we're kind of going off something else here, but like, um, no, the, I wasn't as comfortable giving money away because like, I don't know where that's going. Like, is it, is it actually going to help someone or not? Like maybe in the future, I'll be involved with some kind or I have a buddy that's involved with some kind of charity where it's like, okay, I know where the money's going. Like, you know, more comfortable giving money, but so I was like, okay, I can give my time. How can I give my time? And so like, I was like, I, this is what I'm going to do. And I started doing it last year is I give my time to other military members looking to grow their um, real estate portfolio, just learn about real estate. Mm -hmm. So, I think last year I did a little over 53 hours of free mentoring for military folks. And I just, you know, whatever my, I think in my one sheet, I calculated that's like, I don't know, $190 an hour or something. So then I just count that as my genuine contribution for the year. And it ended up being like $8,300 or, you know, something like that. Um, and then it's been like, awesome. I've really enjoyed doing that. But if it wasn't for GoBundance, I wouldn't have done something like that. And then now using my real estate knowledge to help others is like, you know, the compound effects of that long-term are like, I think a lot more than just giving $200 to some charity. So, yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, that kind of ties into what you were talking about with like generosity. And that's something I'm definitely going to do is like, it's important to give to people, whether it's time or money or, you know, some combination of both that's that I did not have growing up really. So, yeah. Yeah, like I mean, we didn't really have anything to give, so it was one of those like we we had a tendency to be the ones that people needed to give to uh, growing up, um, and now it's it's a blessing to be able to give to other folks. Uh, but I struggle the same thing with giving money. I always have struggled giving money just because I, uh, to your point, I don't, especially like I always feel for the person on the corner asking for help, right? Um, but I I can't not I cannot bring myself to give them money. I will gladly go buy you five bags of groceries. Um, right. For two hundred dollars, before I give you ten, because I don't know where that ten is going to go. Right, and um, it's so, Exactly. Like I could be giving you money that's going to put you right around the corner to go buy some drugs, or 
we can go to the store. I can, you know, buy you a meal right now and prepare you, you know, yeah. for, for some stuff, you know, they're like, dude, I don't want these apples. I bought a guy once and I like it. It was a good humbling experience as well as an angering experience. So it took me a little while to get rid of the anger and, and not really anger, but frustration, irritation. Um, we were in Ohio, super cold outside. Um, I've always been one that likes to give. I, I just, I, even if I don't like probably to a fault when I was a paycheck to paycheck guy, because I mean, I, I was already spending all of my money. So, but I you know, give some away too. So that's, that's, I mean, I guess it's a plus. Um, no, I know it's a plus, but, uh, so I bought this guy, uh, gloves, socks, like he was a homeless guy walking around. I bought him some gloves. I bought him some socks. Um, and I bought him some food and, uh, like he had no gloves on his boots were all beat up and I handed him this stuff and he looks in it and he's like, really, this, this is what I get. And then he walked away and I was like, wow, way to make me not want to help anybody ever again. But I realized like his, it took me a while, but like his mental state was somewhere way different than mine. Like, but it also taught me like, okay, well, what does he actually need? Clearly he didn't need, what's up, buddy? Like clearly he didn't need gloves and socks. Like maybe I should have asked him, what is it? How can I best support you? Right. Because I just assumed instead of trying to figure it out and take care of him the way that he needed it. Yeah. Hello again. Hi. (laughs) Hello. Hey. Can I finish this call, buddy? <laughs> I want to tell you something. What do you want to tell me, buddy? Can we look at one of the rough rocks? Well, you got to ask mommy for that. I'm in the middle of recording. Mom, can you <laughs> So we bought him uh, this. Uh, he loves to go collect rocks and do all sorts of stuff. So there's this like discovery discovery channel thing where you can like have rough rocks and then it goes through this little oh, tumbler yeah. and you those. put a little powder in it and rock it smooths them out. Uh, yeah. Yes, a little rock polisher. So he's he. Uh, we're on stage three right now, and you got to keep him in for like six to eight days each stage. So it's like we're on stage three now, um, and he keeps wanting to check it halfway through the stages. Like we just put it in like two days ago for stage three, and he's like, "I want to see it again. I want to see it again." You know, so delayed um, gratification. Yeah, yeah, no kidding. So we've been pretty successful at not having him open it up until it's that six to eight day mark. Um, but man, oh man, uh, yeah, impatience. So. That's another good good one to teach. Yeah, well, it's gonna be tough at a four year old level. That's a tough one. Yeah, yeah. it's yeah. Uh, that's a real tough one. But we we have taught it quite a bit, and they, our kids are pretty solid at it. And I think it does start really young, though. Like teaching them, it, it starts a lot with like um, uh, teaching them manners. Like the second you start teaching them manners, and um, you know uh, the sitting at the table and waiting for your food. You're not running around acting crazy. Like we're, you know, like that, that like starting young with the smaller things. Um, and you know, like if they start throwing things that nope, we're done, you're not, you're not getting it again. And don't, don't feed into that, that monster because that it'll, it'll keep going, you know? (laughs) And, uh, uh, it's literally, you could start with something, the kid just like throwing things across the room um, not necessarily out of anger or anything like that, but if they know they're not supposed to do it, that literally, as you keep going down the road, now turns into some tantrums, turns into some things that you right. don't want it to do. So you got to, anytime you see one of those behaviors, nip it in the bud pretty quickly. And, and before you know it, he's in juvie, you know? I Yes. Before you know it, my kid's in juvie or I'm getting arrested for my kid doing something bad right. or, you right. know, and we it's, can't be having that. It's tough because it takes, you know, this is one thing I've learned uh, even just in, you know, the first year, but like it, it, it is, I think I underestimated parenting because I was like, there's plenty of parents. Like, how tough can it be? There's tons of parents out there. It's mm-hmm. it's easy to be a bad parent. It's, it's yeah, oh, really yeah. tough to be a good parent because it's so yeah. much easier. Like in your restaurant example, so much easier to just let them do whatever. 
but it takes a lot more energy, a lot more patience, a lot more thought to like do the right thing and say, no, you're going to sit here, blah, blah, blah. You know, like, cause I, like, so parent, you want to eat your meal when it comes. You don't want to wrangle kids as they're running out, but that's yeah. the right thing to do for everyone, not just for the other people in the restaurant, but like for the kids and all that. So it's a, it's a lot of energy and it's a lot more time to be a, a good parent uh, than it is to be for a, sure. a bad parent. No, I a hundred percent agree with that. Um, and it's, you know, I've wanted to be a dad since I was like 13 years old. So, um, you know, it, it, it's always been one of those things that I've just like, okay, I really can't wait to be a dad. And then when you become a dad, it's like, holy crap, this is a lot more, especially when you know that you have goals and you have a desire for certain things and you're like, man, this is a lot of work, but mm. I want to trade it for the world. You know, like I absolutely love being a dad, you know, um, I'd have yeah. 10 kids if my wife would let me, but she controls that factory and I'm pretty sure it's getting shut down after the third one. So yeah, that's, that's <laughs> I don't want that many. I think I, I imagine it gets a lot better after, you know, as they get a little bit older, but man, as you know, that first year, especially the first six months, like, yeah, man, it's tough. It is tough. <laughs> yeah, it's real tough. I, I am extremely blessed with my wife because she, you know, um, her thought process on it is oftentimes like, look, I don't wake up in the morning or don't wake up in the middle of the night. I'll take care of it. There's, you've got nothing that, that the kid wants. Like the kid only wants milk and I don't have that. Despite what society may tell me, I can't breastfeed a child. Like it's not, it's not Not with that attitude. Um, No, not with this (laughs) attitude. You're right. With enough hormones injected into me, maybe I can, but um, (laughs) boy, what a defeatist attitude I have. Um, But uh uh, but she's like, no, just just get the sleep. Like you're going to need it for the morning, anyways. So you know, wow. uh, so she Good lets me get all the sleep, and uh, um, and now I mean, at eight weeks old, she just slept last night like seven and a half, eight hours uh, before she woke up. So I was like, well, well done, dear. Like you're eight yeah. weeks into this, you've already got her sleeping through the night. Uh, you had yeah, me sleep through the night too. So thank you. Like, that's amazing. <laughs> That's amazing. But I'll, yeah, I'll yeah. stay up with her though. If she's, if she's having a hard time going to sleep, I'll stay up with her. Right. Yeah. Cause I haven't gone to sleep yet, but once, and so I'll send her to bed and then I'll stay up till like midnight, sometimes one o'clock in the morning. Uh, I'll fall asleep on the couch with her on my chest at like two o'clock in the morning, finally get her to sleep. But then she lets me sleep after that, you know? Right. So that's, that's, uh, you know, yeah, it goes right back to what you were talking about before having that solid relationship, good communication between you and your spouse and making sure that you guys are on point with all that type of stuff. And right. I think that just, if you're not in a good point before kids, I promise kids aren't going to help. <laughs> yeah. Kids are going to make that worse. Right. So get your guys, you know, get yourselves in a good point where you have good communication already. You have the emotional, um, you know, emotional intelligence to be able to communicate what you need with each other and, um, and then bring a child into it. The, the child's only going to make any of the problems yeah. worse. Yeah. That's another, you know, important theme with, you know, in line with the, the, the whole podcast, your whole podcast, um, you know, idea and, or the concept of the podcast is like, you know, the, the spouse, the wife is like, I mean, so critically important. Cause like, yeah, for both of us, what, you know, your wife is, you know, watching your kid eight week old. And then, you know, my wife is watching our, you know, 13, 14 month old now. So it's like, couldn't, couldn't do this without them. So, you know, big shout out to the spouses for making it all possible because if it wasn't for her, you wouldn't be doing this podcast right now, probably. Oh, you're darn right. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. So big. If it wasn't for her, I wouldn't, I wouldn't even have the thought process to do this podcast. Right. Right. So, right. You wouldn't know uh, what a podcast is. (laughs) I know. No, it's uh, you're probably not wrong. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I, 
I can't express how important it is to like, I, I forgot who it was that talked about it, but like that, I think it was like Jordan Peterson or somebody that, like the, one of the number one decisions you could possibly make in your life is choosing the right spouse. Yeah. Um, and especially military folks, I'm sure you've seen it a billion times. Like um, we used to call them tech school marriages. Cause like when you're, when you're, unless you go through basic training and then you go to your tech school for the air force side is what we call it. I think a school is what the Navy yes. calls it. And yeah. um, so go through our tech school tech school marriages like people get married at 18 years old 19 years old in tech school um and then before you know it five years later they're divorced um if they even made it to five years uh they've already got two kids together in that five years and now there's there's a uh you know these two children growing up without their father in the house um but they you know maybe there's a stepfather now around and like the amount of divorces that we saw was like but like yeah make the right decision on your spouse to begin with you know um and then, you know, you'll, you'll, your future will be infinitely better if you make the right yeah. decision up front with that. Yeah. Um, I think bu- building I just, on that, you know, you know, what, what Jordan Peterson said about, you know, how significant of a life decision it is, you know, the spouse and how people need to think that through. But not only are you marrying your spouse, you're marrying your spouse's family, uh, mm-hmm. you know, and, and the, for all the, the, the goods and others, because, you know, every family is, has their pros and cons and, you know, every family has, has issues as well. So yeah. I think that's important for people to realize that aren't married yet, uh, get to, get to know the family and cause you're, you're marrying into that family as well. So it's important to, yeah. to consider cause you know, it may think like, Oh, well, you know, whatever, that's just her family. That's her parents. Like I, you know, I, I love her whatever, you know? So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, but yeah, you're, they're your family now too. So for, yeah. for better or for worse. So, yes. Like it or not, yeah, you're stuck. It's yeah. uh, uh, we. My wife was surprised because, like, my family, like, we were we all get along really well. We love hanging around with each other. Um, uh, not the way they look at it is not the typical because she's she's Latina. Um, so again, her mom born and raised in Cuba, dad born and raised in Spain. Very, very, very family oriented type type of family. Like everything is about the family, which is the same way that my family is, but they don't perceive a lot of American families that way. It's like, all right, 18, get the heck out of my house. You know, right. like I'm, you're done. Go see away. Like, uh, see you at Thanksgiving. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Thanksgiving and Christmas. Other than that, you know, um, but that's not our family at all. You know, like her family still every Sunday, um, uh, you know, grandma would be cooking a meal and I, everybody would come over and eat the meal right. on, on Sundays, you know? Um, uh, so it was a blessing to find a family that, that did that type of stuff, you know, like the very first time I met their family and her family, like they had a pig roast and I was like, uh, like a litter, like a whole pig, like this, yeah. like made with, Oh man, it was phenomenal. And I said, okay, I got to figure out how to marry this woman. Like, I don't, <laughs> I don't know how we're going to do it yet, but that's got to happen. Like I don't that was a smart move on her part too. I'm sure uh, that was yeah, strategic. S- yep. Key to a man's heart is through his stomach. So yeah. she tricked uh, you. Good. Yeah, worked out well. She did. She did. <laughs> Dag but she hasn't made, she hasn't done a pig roast yet. It's always, yeah, it's always her brother. Where's the pig roast? I do need to build a pig roasting station in the backyard though. Cause man, that is so daggum good. Oh my word. It's phenomenal. That's a good, you know, uh, it's good presentation as well when you're having people over, mm-hmm. you know, more so than just aluminum tins of food. I know. Right. Yeah. Just pull a whole pig off of there and, it, yeah. uh, it's, it was a lot of fun doing that though. It takes all day, but man, it's so much fun. Yeah. Um, cause it's a, you know, I love barbecue anyways. And doing anything over fire is a, is what I'm all about. So yeah, um, I've been a pyro since I was a kid. So anything with fire, I'm there, I'm there. Yeah. But, That's funny. 
All right. So uh, uh, are there any one one last question I definitely have for you is um, and I think we've probably covered a few of these things already. But is there anything you're struggling with as a dad right now that uh, that you'd like to kind of either put out there, talk about, uh, think through, um, uh, you know, anything you want to put out in the ether that you're struggling with or any anything that if somebody's listening and they've got some ideas that they can send you afterwards or put in comments or anything like that that you'd like to, to ask about? I can't think of anything. I think it's really just getting to the point where, um, you know, getting him to sleep through the night, which I know will happen (laughs) eventually. I mean, he doesn't, he did like two nights ago where he was up for like an hour and a half in the middle of the night. It was just like, my wife and I were just like, dude, just go to sleep. But I know it's going to get better. Um, and that's kind of what I, what I hang on to because he's, he's great. Uh, just the sleep stuff is, is challenging. So if anyone has any, you know, sleep advice. We, I, you know, I've read baby wise and, and some other mm-hmm. stuff, but um, I think it's, and he's also had like two, he's had teeth coming in recently. So some of it's yeah. just like, it's, it's going to happen. You know, it's kicker. only so much you can do about it, but um, yeah, the sleep stuff is, is challenging. And for any, anyone that's about to be a parent out there, enjoy your sleep now because it's going to, yes. It, oh, I also get, uh, it's well worth it. Whenever I talk to buddies from like, you know, they have like a newborn. I'm like, Oh, how's it going? Sleep. Right. They're like, no, she sleeps through the night, like every night. And I'm like, what? <laughs> like, and, but that's the thing. Like every kid's different, you know? Yeah. Uh, but whenever I hear that, I'm just like, you son of a, you know, that's, you know, how, how, how did, how did that even happen? You know, cause our, our yeah. son does not. So it's been, it's been challenged, but otherwise he's like, he's awesome. Super happy. I mean, he's like, massive he's like 95th plus percentile and like everything he's nice. healthy and all that but yeah the sleep maybe not sleep tips let me know yeah the sleep <laughs> is a tough one i mean our first one slept through the night at like eight weeks old wow. seven weeks old started sleeping through the night diana our youngest now is is on the way like she like i said she slept like eight hours last night seven and a half hours last night which is awesome um uh but on becoming baby wise was one of the best books that I read, and that helped us on the right track at the beginning. But then, like Rourke, he had that that same issue that you're just talking about with teeth coming in and all the stuff. Like he kept getting ear infections, so like we had him mm. sleeping through the night at like two months old, um, and then he got his first ear infection, and then we had to wake him up for medication, and he'd wake up because of the pain, uh, and then we got rid of that, and then we we're trying to get him back to sleep through the night again, and then he got another ear infection, and then he got uh, croup, and then he got all this stuff, and it was like ah. We didn't get him back sleeping through the night though. He's almost two years old. Like it's it was, like hazing. It's hazing. For yeah. It, yes. I mean, it's, it's, exactly. It's parental uh, hazing for sure. Um, especially doing. I'll pay know, him back doing, later though. Doing the full time like work thing plus the real estate on the side and yes. you know once I had to totally re reassess. You know I had all these big goals like business and real estate goals and mm-hmm. I'm like well those are going to be put to the side for <laughs> for a while because I gotta you know you can't do everything. That's another yeah. part that's been like challenging, especially for folks like entrepreneurs that want to do everything. Yeah. Yeah. You got to make family a priority. So especially uh, when both of us have, you know, working spouses, you know, it's right. not like, it's yeah. not like I can rely on any of that extra time. Like now, like yeah. both of our, both of our wives are in the military too. So what, right. what the heck are we going to do? But yeah, well, eh. one thing I started doing, um, I have a, an app and this may be helpful for other dads out there, but I have an app called a uh, strides S T R I D E S. And I think it's uh, it was only like 30 bucks for the year, but you can, you can throw in, habits that you want to start and it's very easy mm-hmm. to just go in and check them off and it, can, it, it will remind you you can adjust the notifications or whatever and one of the ones that i put in is quality time with cal so every day i have to spend quality time with him and even if it's just, you know depending on the day some days are busier than others or maybe he's 
you know, at daycare and then, you know, it doesn't work out where I can spend like hours with him. But um, I try to make a habit every day of spending some quality time with him every day, even if it's just like 15 minutes or, or 20 minutes so that I'm, I'm in the habit of that now because I don't want to be the dad that's like, oh, well, once he's older, you know, you know, oh, well, when they're newborns, like, what, what, you don't have to spend time with them because they don't know anything. Mm-hmm. And it's like, man, they do. Like, that's, yeah, that is do. definitely that like a, starts. A, a myth, you know, and it's, and it's something yeah. I think where a lot of dads are just, they just don't want to, and they, you know, justify it in some other way. Right. But, mm-hmm. you know, spending quality time with, with him every day uh, and, and creating that habit now um, so that it's just a forever habit where I have to do it. And then, down the road when I come to certain decisions, like, Oh, what am I going to do? And it's like, well, if I do that, I'm not going to be able to spend time with him every day. So let me choose the one, you know? So, yeah. cause it's really what matters the most, you know, family and your health and your, and, and family. So, um, that's something I've done. That's been very inexpensive, very easy to do day to day. And I have other stuff on there, like, you know, exercise or whatever, but, um, that's been a really easy thing that I think ha- that really has built a habit now. Cause I think I'm on a streak of like, it, it keeps streaks going as well, which is great. I nice. think I'm on like a 58 day streak of it, uh, of spending time. And the, the reason I didn't before that is cause my wife and my son were, were out of town. So I couldn't really do it then, but, um, you know, trying to keep those streaks going, but I think that's a good nice. way to, to get in those habits. So gamifying being, uh, being a dad. So. Yeah. Cause, cause I'm, yeah. I, I need that, you know, I need that. Yeah. Um, you know, tracking like that's how my brand. That's how a lot of people's brains work, but that's definitely how mine works. And and if I'm, yeah, like you said, if I'm gamifying, I'm like, I'm motivated. You know, yeah. When I was doing seventy five hard, if it wasn't for the app, I would have failed miserably, like right off the bat. You know, yeah. if for no other reason, then it reminded me of some of the things that I forgot I needed to do for seventy five hard. <laughs> Be like, ah, crap! I still haven't read my ten pages, or ah, son of a gun, I didn't take my picture. You know, yeah. And it was. Uh, I don't know if you ever done seventy five hard, but it's it's pretty solid. I, it it's good stuff. Um, yeah, I've heard it's great, but yeah. All right. Well, I uh, I think we could probably wrap it up here. I mean, that makes the it was a, a solid, good conversation. I thank you so very much for jumping on. Um, if people want to get a hold of you, maybe they want to invest with you. Maybe they want to be one of those military members who you mentor, or maybe whatever. Uh, maybe they got some sweet sleeping advice for you. How do uh, how do you want people to get a hold of you? Yeah. So um, I, back in 2020, I started a, a company called Honor and Equity, just as a way of you know sharing my journey in real estate with other military members. So. Uh, we have a website, honorandequity.com, uh, at honorandequity on Instagram and Twitter. And then I'm at the Doug Spence on Instagram. So uh, give us a follow there. And I love chatting with uh, military folks. Love uh, sharing whatever knowledge I can with uh, military folks, especially about uh, investing so they can grow their portfolios. So Absolutely. Well, thank you so much, Doug, for jumping on. It was a pleasure chatting with you. I look forward to uh, kind of watching you as a grow up with uh, uh, as a dad and see the kids grow up, and hopefully you get to meet your kiddo in person. Yeah, um, you know, if you ever uh, drag the family to a Go Abundance event or uh, to a Fan Abundance event, especially as as Cal gets a little older, but um, it's, been a, it's a pleasure chatting. Looking forward to the next one. Always awesome to have some other military folks who are uh, are kicking butt and uh, and being good dads. So thanks for jumping on, brother. Yeah. Thank you so much for listening to the Biz Dad Podcast. We hope you found some value in your time here with us, and we look forward to bringing you the next episode. If you've enjoyed today's show, please subscribe and share so you and your friends won't miss our upcoming episodes. Connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, Twitter, and Rumble, where we continue these discussions and share more valuable content. 
Be the dad you know you need to be and run your business in a way you're proud to share with your kids. Keep crushing it.